Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Here's Nylander in the Oilers' own sharp angle. Shot, he scores! Here's Seabrook, great circle, fires, he scores! Oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose bucket from the score! It's on! Shoot, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. He scores! Kirby Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Kirby Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. It's the start of a new Blackhawks week, and of course, that means it's another fresh Blackhawks crazy podcast alongside our WGN Blackhawks reporter, Joe Brand. He's more than that. He's an anchor. He does it all. He fills it on socks pre and post. Um, I'm uh, just your regular old pre and post game Blackhawks host, Chris Bowden here. After a five to three victory over the Minnesota Wild that snapped a four game losing streak and a uh, three game straight losing streak without gaining any points at all, as uh, we record on Sunday night following a victory, and uh, we're back on we're back on trend here because usually when we be recording these for the most part this season, they've been following a victory, so we frightened them back into it, even though they fell a little bit short last week. Before we proceed, we want to tell you that Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to fanlist.com slash blackhawkscrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. Fanlist partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and list tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, Fanlist is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackhawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash BlackhawksCrazy. Our thanks to FanList for... uh, Staying with us here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Next time, maybe I'll have Joe read this one. Uh, That'd be fun. professional voice and uh, give it a little different spin, perhaps. But a different spin for the Blackhawks here. Hooray, they win after what was simply a terrible week. You knew going into the stretch in that three-game road trip in particular, it was going to be a challenge, and indeed it was, as they were winless on that trip to Vegas, Arizona, and St. Louis, and boy, they finished it with a bang on Saturday night in St. Louis, having a horrible first period, surviving that 0-0, and then building a 3 nothing lead four minutes plus into the third period, only to see it crash and burn in a 4-3 regulation loss. Hawks outscored 14-6, to Joe, in that three-game trip. But uh, even though it was uh, another blown lead here on Sunday night against the Minnesota Wild, 
uh, a couple of blown leads. As a matter of fact, two nothing and three two. They ended the third period. You're wondering how this team is going to respond, and they ended up getting it done this time. I'm not going to lie. I'm very glad we're doing the podcast after this game and not last night's game. I don't know what approach we would take. Uh, there were a lot of positives to pull today. We, we're not sugarcoating anything. It was a good response that the Blackhawks had today, and still, for some reason, they're really good at playing the second game in back-to-back days. And why? No one knows. Jeremy Colleton doesn't know. The players don't really seem to know, but they were all in agreement today in the locker room saying that you know the fact that they got to just get right back on the ice, maybe it's good to have that situation after last night's game. You have that quick memory. You just get to move forward. Uh, very general consensus today from all the four players that talked in Kane, Saad, Murphy, and Leonard calling it a, a character win. And I, I think that's what you really saw today. Um, and the crazy thing is, oh, yeah, by the way, Patrick Kane scored a hat trick. You know, mm-hmm. this is just becoming a, such a regular occurrence for this guy. And crazily enough, he nearly hit it a year ago on the day against Minnesota at home. He picks up his eighth career hat trick, his sixth in the regular season. He had two in the playoffs. So uh, just another star to hang on Patrick Kane's gigantic chart of his hockey career. And and the stars are starting to come out to play, it seems, a little bit lately here. And that's encouraging to see because Brandon Saad, with his two-goal performance against St. Louis, he adds another tonight to give him 11 on the season, uh, finally appearing to get rewarded after really basically being the the best player for the Blackhawks for the first two-plus months in terms of generating opportunities, uh, a little bad puck luck, and being unable to finish because, in reality, this guy should easily have between 15 and 20 goals this season, but he has 11 right now. And Jonathan Taves, after a couple of assists on those sod goals on Saturday night in St. Louis, he comes through with three more here on uh, Sunday night, and um, so... Again, the big boys, if they're going to turn this around, they're going to have to have to you know ride them pretty hard, and especially as they continue trying to manage their way through these injuries. Uh, Kane, Taves, Saad, um, DeBrinket's cooled down after three goals in three games, but uh, again, you, you like to see these guys, you know, uh, kind of steering the ship, and uh, they'll certainly be tested as this three game or five game stretch against Central Division teams continues. Right now they're they're one and one so far, but then you got Colorado, a team that absolutely spanked this uh, Blackhawks club twice right after Thanksgiving, and then uh, you go to Winnipeg, surprisingly good, and then uh, you close it out with a trip to Colorado to close out this five game stretch. So while the guys are on track, let's see them continue this through what'll be a challenge for this week as well. And the opponent today, Minnesota, a team that's streaking. Another reason why a win today was so. Not so much promising, but but very positive because you stop a hot team, and not only stop a hot team, but stop a hot team that came back to tie the game twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they put the pedal to the metal. They kept it on there. You mentioned Brandon Saad. This is a guy that consistency seems to be a problem for the Blackhawks, but Brandon Saad's effort is always pretty consistent. He's, as Jeremy Colleton said today, snake-bitten from time to time, so... He'll, he'll catch some bad luck, but he seems to create his own luck a lot, like you said, generating chances. And, and he's one of those guys you can always always rely on uh, in terms of the 
effort side of things. But yeah, it's just it's just again a matter of how long can the Blackhawks string together these types of games because the consistency has been a problem and it's just hard to get on a roll for them this year. And it's not kind of reward because it was a fluky goal, the game winner a bit, and uh, even Dominic Kubalik took a swipe at it but missed before it went into the net. So uh, Brandon finally rewarded with what turned into the, the game-winning goal there. And yeah, good point by you in mentioning this Minnesota team because they have been virtually unbeatable at home this season, a little less so on the road, but they came in after starting 1-6 and six, and a month ago, November 12th, they were sitting at 6-11-1, and this is a prime example, not so much from the St. Louis standpoint of a year ago from going to bottom of the league to Stanley Cup, but this wild team, which is on a par, perhaps less so than the Blackhawks from a talent perspective on their roster. A month ago, they were 6-11-1, and over their last 20 games, they have gone 12 3 and five, um, and uh, ten one and four over their last fifteen. They've been doing it with a couple of injuries as well, so they had a great deal of momentum coming into this one. And good on the Blackhawks for uh, not backing down and uh, continuing this losing streak against them because they certainly needed this one. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, it was uh, part and parcel due to Patrick Kane's sixth career regular season hat trick, and he spoke to Joe and his fellow media afterwards. It was nice. Uh to get one you know you get too early on you think maybe you have a chance at one so obviously it came a little bit later in the game but um huge fourth goal for us and uh was able to finish it off with with an empty net so um obviously it's a big one for us how bad you need this one tonight yeah we needed it uh you know we had a good start kind of gave up a lead again so um but i think overall you know we didn't give up too many chances. We gave up less shots, which was good. And uh, um, I still think we can improve and get better. So um, overall, probably a step in the right direction. Patrick, how tough was it to have a two-goal lead and then it gets away again and then have to dig down and, and kind of fight fight back from that? Yeah, a couple of bad mistakes. You know, obviously, uh, um, one, it's a power play, and then I make a bad turnover on the 4-on-4, on the four four, and all of a sudden it's 2-2. Two, two, so... Those are mistakes we got to eliminate. I think um, take pride in those situations, take ownership, and not uh, giving them easy chances. And uh, um, we all need to improve in that area. What's the mental process of getting over last night's game over 24 hours? I think it was nice that we played again today, to be honest with you. Um, and we weren't sitting on that one for a few days. So, um, yeah. Uh, would have been nice at three nothing last night to finish that off. Big two points against a, against a really good hockey team. Didn't get the job done. Came back tonight. Had a pretty good effort. So obviously a good response by everyone. Patrick Kane with his hat trick, but his first goal came on an assist from Alex Nylander. Yes, Alex Nylander was playing on Patrick Kane's line tonight along with. Dylan Strom, while Jeremy Colleton decided to take Alex DeBrinket off of that line, replace him with Nylander, and send DeBrinket with uh, Kirby Dock and Ryan Carpenter. So a little bit of, well, let's, let's be honest, on social media, a lot of outrage for that decision when the warm-up lines were revealed uh, on Twitter by various reporters, seeing that Nylander was, in essence, elevated after... A uh, an egregious mistake Saturday that kind of opened up the floodgates for the St. Louis Blues following Kane's goal that made it three to nothing. Twenty four seconds later, it was uh, an Alex Nylander pizza that he served up, and it turned into Tyler Bozak, the first of his two goals, and the comeback was on in St. Louis. 
And after that game Saturday, let's hear from Colleton when he was asked why, after making such a big mistake, a momentum-changing mistake, why Nylander continued taking shifts and why he wasn't sat the, the rest of the way uh, for the remainder of that game against the Blues. Okay, that was a mistake, but there was a mistake on the entry. There was a mistake in the coverage where we double up. If we bench everyone who makes a mistake, we're not going to have any players. So, um, yeah, there's a time and a place for that, no question. But uh, I think the the real issue is that up and down the lineup, we don't do the right things all the time, every shift. And, uh, again, until that changes, it's hard to win. So there's Jeremy's uh, reaction saying, essentially, if he benches one guy, uh, he'd have to bench a whole bunch of other guys based on the other mistakes that were made, not only on that play before Nylander's uh, turnover, but uh, the way that entire third period collapsed uh, from you know one end of the roster to the other. So uh, he had the option of perhaps sitting Nylander on Sunday night and cycling Dylan Secura in. Secura ends up being a healthy scratch once again, and Nylander is elevated in that lineup with Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom. And let's hear Jeremy's reasoning afterwards. Well, we're just looking to shuffle things. You know, obviously the Strom group, they, they had a really good run for us, but it kind of run dry. So looking to, to spark things in a different way. So you hear Jeremy Colleton in his response to Alex Nylander's mistake against the game or in the game against St. Louis on Saturday. And when you go back to there quickly, I, I think he takes the right approach. He acknowledges the mistake, but he doesn't burn his player. And that's kind of the approach he took coming into today's game. Because, yes, this team has made so many mistakes. He's right. If, if you bench somebody every time they made a mistake there's not going to be any players to be able to put out on the ice. So so he's acknowledging that this team is is not hitting its spots. He's not grilling a player individually. And we don't know what's going on in, behind closed doors. We don't know if players are addressing this issue or if it's Jeremy Colleton addressing it. Basically, he did still put faith in his player. When you bring up Dylan Sakura, I think that's a whole other conversation about why he hasn't been playing the past few games despite being up at the roster. But you pump some life into a guy that really made a costly mistake against St. Louis that opened the floodgates for the Blues to come on and, and create the momentum that they can so easily do still riding on their momentous high right now. And you give him some life and you give him something to play for, and it paid off today because he gets an assist. He's got a plus one in this in this game. And he also, Jeremy Carlton mentioned how it wasn't just an Alex Nylander move. It's, it's the fact that you know, the, the lines are rotated today. He said we feel the Dylan Strom group has somewhat dried out a little bit, and that's what happens. I mean, you have to tinker with things. You have to change things. But overall, I, I do like the approach that Jeremy Colleton took. Again, he's he's not singling out the player, but he's not sweeping the issue under the rug either. Nevertheless, I was surprised that he did I think this. everyone was. I was surprised because uh, when, when you look at the greater body of work, and uh, it's been a quiet Alex Nylander for the last month or six weeks, uh, over the last before Sunday night's game, over the last uh, 13 games, zero goals, two assists. Over the previous 19, two goals and two assists from a guy who's supposed to be a skilled player. Granted, he's only 21 years old, and those two goals came in garbage time in that big victory in Nashville. So um, there is, you know, uh, Coach Blackhawks Nation, Coach Blackhawks fandom slash social media, um, they were angry when they saw these lines being released. They wanted his and, head. Right. And, and you know, and then there's all the talk about, you know, because 
Bowman wants this. Stan Bowman wants this deal to work so much because Henry Yokiharu was traded. That leash is going to be real long. I have, I, it, it has been a long leash for Alex Nylander based on, you know, production based on how he's played overall. I don't know if it's necessarily an effort thing, but in terms of decision making, he's not alone on this roster with with making bad decisions during the course of games. We've seen that all too much up and down this roster, but nevertheless, I think it was a. You know, I'll call it a gutsy move by, by Jeremy Carlton to do that, and there's going to be part of part of the the Blackhawks fandom that says Jeremy's being told to do that from up above. And um, if that's the case, it wouldn't be the first time. But uh, to continue sticking with him and to elevate him to me was surprising. I, th- I think the the main difference here is you are getting. A little bit of the if you make that move and open it up for Secura, it's not a different kind of player. You're essentially getting the same kind of player, not quite as big as Nylander is, but um, you're just and and some people would have wanted Secura for Nylander tonight, but it's the same type of player essentially, also struggling at the NHL Hungry level for points. Yes, so. Um, but I would think a majority of people would have thought he still would have made that move based on what happened on Saturday night. And uh, whether he was told to do it or whether this was Jeremy's own decision, which I, I certainly hope was the case of him and his coaching staff, uh, and it's not like they're not sitting there ignoring the mistake that was made a couple of nights ago in St. Louis. You know it's getting addressed in one manner or another. And I don't even know if it needs to be addressed because I'm sure Alex Nylander felt it the minute he, had, the minute he made that mistake. But uh, to me it was very surprising and uh, – it worked out. It worked out, and we'll see what this does for the kid and what this does for that line moving forward. But it was a successful move on Sunday night, at least. I almost wonder, you know, maybe is it a put-up-or-shut-up situation? Like, this is the last straw? You know, we'll Could give be. you an opportunity. We'll put you with some more talented players on your line, see what you can do now. You know, we'll, we'll cr- try to put away that pressure and that guilt from what happened the night before because – Let's face it, that was, that was a careless mistake. You just you can't lose the puck in that situation against a team and just give them an opportunity to turn the tables on you. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's what it was. It was just one last straw, one last chance, and now it makes things more complicated because he did do well today. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how it is uh, moving forward. I'm really anxious to see how they look. I'm not anxious to see the Colorado Avalanche particularly on Wednesday night based on what they did to the Blackhawks. Twice in, in the same week the, again, too. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. So 5-2 here at the United Center, 7-3 the following night in Colorado. That was just a whooping. And, um, you know, uh, Robin Leonard did speak after this game. I think we've had Robin Leonard on three consecutive uh, podcasts <laughs> here because he's good to listen to. The main point that he made afterwards is that he's been on a lot of teams um, who had lost the type of games that the Blackhawks did on Saturday night and would just lay down 24 hours later not being able to handle that one thing that he brought up in trying to pump this room's tires right now. But it may not just be that. This could be coming from the heart that this was, this team is different and the way they responded to the Saturday night loss, um, he was impressed by throughout that locker room. So, that essentially was the quote from Robin Leonard, but uh, in lieu of uh, bringing him to you for another podcast, we thought uh, Connor Murphy's voice should uh, need to be heard because he has been an absolute warrior. I think it's 
three games in a row, if not four. He has gotten out in front of pucks, blocked them, gone down on all fours, uh, limped to the bench, at times unable to limp to the bench because the play was still going on in his own end, and he has gotten up and kept coming back for more. So Connor Murphy, who had two primary assists on Sunday night, on the third and fourth goals, it was his shot from out front that ended up getting tipped in by David Camp. The other one deflected in by Brandon Saad, and then he throws in four more block shots. Uh, he has been an absolute warrior in the uh, absence of Duncan Keith and now Calvin DeHaan in terms of trying to take that blue line core uh, by the horns. And Connor Murphy's the leader out there, and uh, we wanted to hear from him after the 5-3 win over Minnesota. Uh, looking for a, a tip goal uh, here. We haven't had one in a little while, so you could see guys were actually. Uh, it seemed like they were fighting over that space in front of the net to try to get it, and uh, it almost seemed like that last one tipped off uh, Kubi and Sauter. They're battling for that one. Connor, how nice just to get a win after the way last night happened. Kaner said it was really important to get back on the ice right away. Yeah, we're just saying I think it's an advantage to be able to play within less than 24 hours and uh, not allow too much time for it to uh, soak in and feel bad for yourselves. It's uh, something that in order to be a character team uh you got to show that you're able to to bounce back and um and put good effort and put things in the past uh, as soon as they're over how much did you guys have to look at each other when it went back to 2-2 from being up to a... say that again i didn't hear it I, I, I said how much did you guys really have to dig in when it went back to 2-2 after you guys had the early lead yeah it's uh i think the worst thing you can do is think about um recent past with uh giving up leads and um i think a, a big thing just being at home helped us with that and uh you're able to get your matchups and get on the ice and have uh, bounce back shifts and I think we realized that a couple of those goals were things that we couldn't really uh, do too much to uh, give up the one the power play was just a really nice shot and then that one off uh, always skates just unlucky so uh, we knew that we just had to stay with our game to the veterans Stick taps to Connor Murphy for laying it all out on the line. I don't know uh, how many ice bags he has affixed to him after these games lately, but uh, you couldn't blame him if, if that was the case. Uh, so doing a lot of the little things that are overlooked, and, and you you were made aware in your observations of this game as well that there were other guys doing some of the little things that helped them come out of this with a 5-3 win. Well, and just really quickly with, with Connor Murphy, yeah, two points, led the team in time on ice, uh, three block shots. He was just all over the ice today. Um, he, he talked about in the post game how those times when Minnesota came back, again, they, they erased two leads, but a couple of those goals were just good goals. The the rip from Fiala, I believe, on the, on the power play goal that Leonard didn't really have a chance on, and then the puck that just gets sent up in front of the crease and goes off of Mata's skate. I mean, those are deflating goals, but Connor Murphy said they, the team put it into perspective and said, you know, there's really nothing we could have done effort-wise to make sure that didn't happen. So I think this team needs to do a better job of recognizing when they've given up a bad goal aside from, hey, the team just outplayed us in that situation. And, and today was one of those examples of them succeeding in that regard. And actually, John Dietz asked Connor Murphy right after that, do, do the veterans step up in that sense? If, if we give up a goal that, you know, the out team just outperforms us in that instance to earn that goal. Did the veterans make that known, you know, to make sure the team doesn't get too down on himself, on themselves? Murphy says, guys motivate each other on the bench and just give each other a tap on the leg and say, keep going, because that's all you can do. It's, it's very little, but I feel like that's what the team needs. The team needs some guidance when things go wrong. 
because Troy Murray talked about it on today's broadcast that the team does not handle pressure that well right now. So when things are about to go wrong or when they have gone wrong, it's the response and it's the ability to just keep your eye on or rather keep your focus on what we need to do next, not what can go wrong next, because that's totally what happened on Saturday in the St. Louis game. Um, but, yeah, moving on to a few other players, I thought Oliman had a really good game, despite being the victim of that shot that yeah. deflected off his skate. He had a great diving stop to break up a two-on-one chance that Minnesota had coming down the ice, and that that's a rough situation because a lot of times you drop down to the ice, the puck goes off of you and into the net, but he was able to like pop up right away and, and poke it out. Gustafson was very physical today. Jeremy Colleton mm-hmm. thought that the whole team fed off of that. And uh, boy, how about Ryan Carpenter in that third period? Yeah. I mean, a big reason why Patrick Kane had a hat trick today. Yeah, uh, we were uh, fortunate enough to have Ryan on with us uh, live on the post game show. And that one shift that prevented Minnesota's goaltender, I want to keep calling him Capo Caco. <laughs> I know, so close. right? It's so close to the keep New going York a little Rangers. bit more. Yes, uh, Capo Kakonin, um, the rookie goaltender playing his fifth NHL game. Uh, Ryan Carpenter with uh, a, a gutsy shift there in order to keep the puck down in Minnesota's end a little bit longer and preventing the goal from uh, hitting the bench for the extra attacker for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, by the way, I was mistaken here. Murphy credited with three block shots, Olimata with four block shots, but Murphy 24 minutes and 58 seconds. That's almost half a game after laying it all on the line 24 hours ago in St. Louis. So uh, he is becoming the big minutes guy here. Um, not that this is breaking news, but I stink because... I didn't tweet out today prior to the taping of our broadcast our, our slap shots questions from fans. Uh, I don't think we had any last week. And so all the more motivation to, to tweet out that uh, we were going to take your questions for the, the taping of our podcast. And, of course, I got around to that zero times. <laughs> so we're going to bypass slap shots. We're going to miss Ernie Scatton's voice introducing slap shots because the more Ernie Scatton we get in the podcast, the better. And uh, so we will move along, and uh, we promise we'll get to you. We'll get to the uh, slap shots questions coming up again. Uh, when are we, uh, we're taping next, uh, I think after the Monday night game I against New so. Jersey, yeah, yeah. out of the holiday break. So um, we'll tweet right yeah, now. J- just people, just just pound me on that all next weekend to remind me, and then I'll probably forget again after next Monday night's game against New Jersey. So uh, without further ado, this is of course one more. Uh, one more shift night. Uh, this time, after Dave Boland and Brian Campbell had their turn in the spotlight from that 2010 championship club, it was Christopher Stieg's opportunity. He was a member of the 2010 and 2015 title teams and a couple stints uh, with the Blackhawks. And uh, great guy, always entertaining, always a great quote. And he has decided to retire from professional hockey, but he's not quite done yet. And uh, he's going to hang him up after he gets a little bit more out of his system. And I had a chance to catch up with him uh, before he went out on the ice for his final spin prior to the game. Uh, we began our conversation, which uh, took over uh, took uh, many different angles about uh, what this particular One More Shift ceremony means to him. It's pretty cool. I think I talked with... Uh you know, a lot of people so far about this, you know, you're not a Hall of Famer or anyone like that, and you don't expect to ever be treated like one or have any ceremonies or be put in situations like this. So I think it's a pretty cool moment for guys like myself and Boland and, you know, to, to have these moments and also say thank you to a fan base that, uh, a fan base in an organization that's really meant the world to me. You're not quite done, though, playing, right? No, I'm heading over to hopefully play for Canada here at the Spangler Cup and 
Uh, I'm excited, though. It's I've never got to play in this event, and it's uh, something that a lot of players seem to love and want to be in. So I'm I'm still in shape, and uh, yeah, I'd like to finish it off there and play with your brother a little bit overseas too. Yeah, I, I went over, I went to play with him for about about a week. Uh, got a little hurt, and uh, but now I'm good, and hopefully I'll be back. Oh, is that is that someone? Oh, that's the one and only Troy. Hey, can we ask you some questions here on the post-game show? <laughs> Just want to say congratulations oh, to one of my favorite guys. Thank you. It's so good seeing you. Thank you for the zipper in my ear, too. I'm sure it's great audio. Leave it to Troy. Leave it to Troy. Uh, what into your decision last month? I mean, the intentions were good to give it a go in Rockford, but... The grind of that schedule, uh, HL schedule is a little bit different than the NHL schedule. You got buses, you got three in a row. That I'm sure factored in. Right? Yeah, it's a, a major factor in it. Uh, the the game too in the AHL is much more physical. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot more probably demand. It's more demanding on your body, I would say for sure, than the NHL in a lot of different ways. But mainly, I would say is the physicality of the game and uh, and you know and I I. I thought I could do it. I thought I could go down there, help the kids, maybe play well, and maybe get another opportunity. Uh, I know the way I felt at camp and when I was skating and I was healthy, I know I could still probably do it. There's no doubt in my mind, but I wasn't willing to go through everything to get back to get that opportunity again. So it was a, it was a tough, tough decision on, on myself, uh, but I think at the end of the day I made the right one. And we were talking to another Troy when he was in recently, Troy Brower, and, and there, there's a difference. Is he, he's, he's ready to keep hanging on or trying to kind of empty the tank a little bit. Yeah, and he, he's also someone who's bigger than me, and he, could kind of, he, he was willing to change his game, mm-hmm. I think, over the last five years, and I wasn't as willing to change my game. I think for me, uh, I always like to play offense, and I like to play the way I can. And uh, you see the guys who can usually get that last two, three years in the league, uh, sometimes fours because they can morph their game and into a penalty kill or just a good fourth line and steady guy. And he, that's something he's willing to do. He's still willing to go out there and fight and, and block shots every shift and kill penalties, and that's not something I wanted to do. I wanted to still play offense, and I still wanted to play good minutes. And, uh, you know, maybe if I would have tried to morph and change a bit, maybe – uh, the things would be different really right now, and I wouldn't be talking to you, but it wasn't something I was willing to do. How was your decision tied uh, back in the spring tied to your mom? A lot. That was uh, a big part of it. Uh, it was, a, you know, in April, start of April, when she told me I was playing in Sweden, just finishing up actually, and it was uh, it was really hard, really hard on me, especially going through everything we went through as kids and her raising us and trying to put food on the table, let alone putting us in hockey. That was a whole other thing. So uh, it was really tough, but uh, I told her, you know, I feel like still I kind of gave up on her a little bit by giving up a little bit early, but, uh, you know, I told her if she didn't give up, I wouldn't, and I'd try to take one more crack at it because I did. When I did sign that deal, I was like, I didn't really think of the NHL at the you know, forefront of my mind. It was more so just to go down there and help kids. And then when I told her, I was like, yeah, maybe if I play well and I'll go down there and grind and hopefully get another opportunity, that started to come to the front of my mind a little bit. But at the same time, uh, I had to be real with myself and what I was willing to do and real with her too. But uh, back to the whole question, it was all all tied in. She's all good now, right? Yeah, she's cancer-free. Good. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. She's going to be here tonight. Speaking of... Uh Kids, uh, you got you got a family of five now, a couple rugrats and and a baby as well. Are are are, are the boys uh, talkative, chatty, energetic? Do they rap a lot or no? Well, they sing. My middle one's he's nuts. Uh, he's karma. That's what he is. And the, and the older one, he's good too. They're 
They, uh, I didn't know three and four year olds could fist fight, but I guess me and my brothers fist fought our whole lives, and I'm sure it caused a lot of gray hair for my parents and grandparents. Um, but it's it's a whole different world now, and and you can kind of see the guys who have families and what they got to go through on a professional basis, trying to play hockey and support them and be there for them and be a good father. It's a hard thing to do. I have a lot of respect for the guys who do it because uh, I know I had some hard times, me and my wife, trying to you know trying to make sure you're there for them, but also mentally there for them too when you're home and it's hard. So uh, I don't uh, I, I I don't think it's very easy for them but the guys who can do it uh, they find a way to make uh, both worlds really work two cups here uh let's go with the first one here is do you have a snapshot that keeps coming back to you besides you know celebrating in philly raising the cup you know uh the parade here anything during that journey during that run that sticks with you from 2010 well there's two there's the uh, marion hosa goal against nashville that was one where it was just like I was like watching a movie on the bench. Couldn't believe the penalty happened. Then we went out there and killed it. And then Gold Caner scored. And then we went. We still had to kill a couple minutes, I believe. And then he comes out of the box and it falls right on his stick. And I still remember him, you know, doing the slide. And then actually, two games later or three games later, I remember uh, it was same thing. We're down one nothing against Vancouver. And we're tied 2-2 in a minute left, and I was able to score that goal. And then I remember in the back of my head, I was like, oh, Hosa did a sweet double knee slide. I think I'm going to do the same thing. So I remember uh, those are two kind of moments, mine personally for me, and another one about another teammate. And how about 15? Anything uh, besides the celebrations? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of moments. But uh, I think in Game 5 again, uh, just the the way it was 1-1 in the game and we found on a way to hold on and, uh, just Vermette scoring that go-ahead goal and seeing him jump in the air right after it went in. That's uh, from my vantage point. Being able to be a part of that goal is huge. But just seeing, uh, you know, him leap in the air after it's happened, it's something that for me, when I think about 15, I think about Vermette jumping. As we wrap up here, when you look back on your career, uh, and again, it's still not over. You're, you're playing a little bit overseas, but as you evaluate your NHL career, what is your your self evaluation? Well, I. I'm pretty proud of myself, you know, as a fifth rounder, and I don't think many people thought I was ever going to play a, one year in the NHL, let alone 11. So it's uh, it's been a, a fun road, a long road. I think there was about a four-year stint where uh, I was able to really get things going, had four over 20-goal seasons, and had my best year going into uh, Florida, and things were looking up, and, and then all of a sudden I had hip surgery, and I, I got a cheap shot and kind of blew my knee out, and groin surgery and you know what I mean and then I came back to Chicago so I kind of look at my career in different pieces and different terms and I know it started off amazing and then I had some really trying physical and mental times there in the middle but at the end of the career being able to go home and play in Calgary was very special to me too so I think it was uh, pretty bittersweet at the end but uh, yeah I see it in increments and different things of ups and downs but uh, just overall I look back and very grateful for the people I got to meet and being able to uh, put food on the table for my family and that's something that I know me and my brothers uh, are very grateful for Uh, you know just like I said before being able to eat was something that for us was a big thing when we were kids and now being able to enjoy ourselves is, is even better. Always an interesting listen, Christopher Stieg is, and um, you know he he went uh, pretty far in kind of explaining in his decision to give it one more go in April after a strong finish overseas that coincided with his mother's breast cancer diagnosis to fight on 
prestige professionally and for his mother to fight through what was breast cancer uh, happily, as you heard Chris say, she is cancer-free. She was here on Sunday night to watch him take that shift. And, of course, uh, in typical Versteeg fashion, he hits the knees in celebration like he's uh, he had just scored a goal as part of his skate around. And uh, he got the business from some of his uh, current former, uh, former teammates who are current Blackhawks as he went to stand on the line for the national anthem. I'm just surprised they didn't have, like, rap music or his rap song from the 2010 celebration, Blair blaring out in the United Center, but then people might start might start holding their ears and, and screaming and wailing. <laughs> his his mixtape that took the world by storm. He he kind of referenced Patrick Sharp before the game that he was going to go and slide out on, on his knees. Uh, real quick, Chris Versteeg, the only Blackhawk to score at the United Center, yeah. Wrigley Field, and Soldier Field. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, a very unique distinction of him. He's Mr. <laughs> Outdoor Man, I yeah. suppose. Mr. Chicago. Yeah, almost. but he, he, uh, he did a good job indoors uh, during his stint as well, and unfortunately... His body has has just uh, has just broken down at this point. Kind of similar. He, he he lasted a little bit longer than Dave Boland, the first honoree. But it's also unfortunate that Dave Boland could conceivably still be playing in this league. But the body just says no. It's just broken down a little bit too much. So uh, that's a wrap for this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, sponsored by FanList. Before we go, let's circle back to uh, how we closed last week. How was uh, the High school basketball game downstate with the uh, the mites from down under. It was awesome. Yeah, St. Joseph's College from uh, Hunting Hills. Oh, it was a college, a college? No, no, it was high school, but it's called St. Joseph's College. Huh. I don't know if all high schools are called colleges over there or what, but uh, no, crazy enough. So they traveled over nine thousand miles to just make a United States road trip. They're in summer break right now. Australia is. Nice. Uh, they they flew into Chicago. They did some sightseeing. Were they confused by the water in the toilet going the opposite <laughs> I way? I believe no? so. Yeah, we didn't get into that yet. <laughs> but uh, crazy enough, they said they, they were playing a game against a school that was, because they're a Catholic school, part of their... Uh, same Marist brothers. It was Marist wow. High School. I'm, I'm talking to the coach. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I went to Marist High School. I'm like, you guys played there? They go, yeah. So yeah, I went down to uh, Monmouth, Illinois, west side of the state, and uh, they were they were thrilled to be there. It was really cool. They were all in their uh, uniforms with with dark blue blazers, and their so their St. Joseph's College. Their nickname is the Joeys. The Joeys. I, I really wanted a hat, but they didn't have any extra ones. But yeah, they uh, they were great. They were they heard a lot of mates and a lot of sirs. And how did uh, they play? They how actually, they... you know what? So they've been kind of getting smoked by the Amer- the American teams, uh-huh. and uh, they came back in this game. They had a lead. They were up by eight in the fourth quarter, and then United, uh, the Red Storm, came back and uh, took took what was theirs in America. <laughs> and how many games were they playing here? While they they were playing, I mean, around Illinois, I, I believe eight. They played okay. Lake Forest Academy, they played Marist, and then they played this United team, and then they were going back up. I think they wanted to check out the UIC-DePaul game. Um, but yeah, just a whole on a whole big trip. I guess two years ago they went to Dallas. It was it was really cool. If I if I were an Australian high school basketball player, I would love to go through an experience like that. Wow, well, uh, good, and uh, I'm sure there were uh, great people to deal with and uh, a fun time to go down there and watch. Even if the drive to Monmouth isn't, it, it takes a little work. That was a to, hike. And luckily, the, luckily it was a late night game for the Hawks in Vegas, so I could hear on the way back. Oh boy, yeah, and that didn't go too well either. <laughs> no, it didn't. But, uh, yeah, there's so much scenery on the drive between oh, here. Yeah. Monmouth. So uh, that's a wrap for this edition of our Blackhawks 
Australian Basketball Crazy Podcast presented by Fanless. Thanks again to Fanless for being our presenting sponsor. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Curtis Koch, our producer, for pasting all this together in great fashion as he always does. Have yourself a great week, everyone, and we'll come your way once again. Our pre-holiday edition, which will drop on uh, Christmas Eve following the game uh, next Monday, December 23rd, against the uh, New Jersey Devils. We'll come back at you then. Uh, in the meantime, as we said, have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then. How about that? The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great. <laughs>